When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. Thursday, usually a relatively light day, but a lot going on, a lot of games today, a lot of action around baseball. So let's jump in, see what's going on. The Pirates activated closer David Bednar off the IL. Bednar was an all-star, but has not pitched for the Pirates since July 29th. He is one of the best relievers in the game. So if you have him, you're going to want to use him. The challenge, of course, is that the Pirates don't provide him a ton of save opportunities. That was the case on Thursday as they lost 3-2 to to the Cubs. Bednar, however, did get into the game, pitched in and gave up a couple hits in a walk as well as an earned run, got one strikeout, just working his way back. Nothing to be concerned about as far as I'm concerned. The Yankees reshaped their bullpen, activating Zach Britton off the 60-day IL and Scott Efros off the 15-day. Wandy Peralta placed on the IL and Greg Weissert optioned to the minors, but they also needed to clear a spot on the 40-man and did so by designating Miguel Anjahar for assignment. Anjahar burst onto the scene in 2018 with a great rookie campaign, but has never been even a league average hitter since then. In 376 plate appearances over the last four seasons, he has a 56 WRC+. Anyone who flashes the bat he flashed even four years ago is bound to get another shot, so this is unlikely to be the last we have seen of Andahar. Justin Broyle optioned to AAA as the Dodgers get bruised our Gratterall back from the IL. Gratterall, solid late bullpen option, but not really close to save, so, you know, only use him where you can get some help without needing those saves. Gratterall was right back in action against the Diamondbacks Thursday, went an inning with a strikeout, and should continue to be one of the best late-inning non-closers out there. One last piece of bullpen news. It has been a while since Shelby Miller was an intriguing prospect, but the almost 32-year-old is back in the bigs, joining the Giants' pen. He has been excellent in the minors in a relief capacity, and it would be really fun to see him have a resurgence as a reliever. He won't be the closer. He's not a guy I would use for fantasy. It's more just sort of an interesting story. Miller did not pitch on Thursday. The Marlins were one of the few teams that was off on Thursday, but the front office didn't take a day off. They officially placed Trevor Rogers on the IL as expected. They also lost Joey Wendell to the IL, neither likely to play again this season. Rogers is officially done. They were replaced by Braxton Garrett, who will start today versus the Nats and Peyton Burdick. Burdick is an interesting talent, but hasn't produced in his limited big league chances so far. Don't think there's any urgency to go get him down the stretch. Garrett, on the other hand, has been effective and now gets the Nationals today and then misses the Mets facing the Brewers instead in his next start. I would start him today for sure, and I don't hate the next one either. Blue Jays lost second baseman Santiago Espinal to an oblique, which is not great news. Timeline's unclear, but this could impact his postseason availability. Espinal's been excellent defensively. If not for Jonathan Scope lapping the field and outs above average, Espinal would have a case for the gold glove. That seems like it'd be a concern for the Jays pitchers, 
But Kevon Biggio has actually been basically as good. He took over second base on Thursday, was hitting ninth for the Jays, and had a really rough day going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Bobby Dahlbeck back with the Red Sox as Trevor Story is back on the injured list. Story had finally gotten going lately, so this is pretty unfortunate. It was really looking forward to seeing if he would have a good, strong end to the season. Dahlbeck, meanwhile, hitting well in AAA, had his K rate down to 26%. And while that is a lot better than what he was doing in the majors, it's actually worse than what he posted in his last go at AAA. So it doesn't really make me think that there's been any improvement there. I don't actually expect him to play all that much down the stretch, but even if he does, I don't think the results are going to be all that exciting. Mike Soroka being shut down by Atlanta. He has elbow inflammation while imaging was clean. He's going to be given a chance to rest and get ready for 2023. He may be in a position to make the team next year, which would be just a remarkable comeback given all he's been through. Brandon Nimmo had imaging done Thursday, leaving Wednesday's game with quad tightness. Everything came back clean. And with the Mets off Thursday, he's had some time to recover. So watch lineups tonight. Couple pitchers returning in Cincinnati this weekend. Eric Lauer will be on the hill today to face the Reds. Graham Ashcroft will be back for the Reds tomorrow. Not really a fan of either. Lauer offers more K upside, I guess. He has easier matchups. If you got to pick one, he'd be the one to pick. The Rockies have called up top prospect Ezekiel Tovar as teased yesterday. They made room for him by placing Brendan Rodgers on the IL. This is an aggressive promotion for Tovar. To be honest, getting him to AAA was an aggressive promotion. It's fascinating to see how the Rockies plan to use him. He traveled to meet the team Thursday, so don't read too much into the fact that he didn't get into the lineup. But it's also unclear if he's going to play every day, if they're just up to give him a taste. Who really knows? I would only pick him up where you don't need to rely on him. If you need a guy in your lineup, he may not be there. Just hard to know what his playing time will look like. In keeper leagues, however, he is a priority add if he's available. Some new injury news from Thursday. Ronald Acuna Jr. scratched from the Atlanta lineup with back tightness. We'll have to wait for a report on whether this will require additional time off or not. Watch lineups today, but hopefully he is back in it. Acuna, not the only young outfielder with back tightness. Julio Rodriguez came out of the Mariners game in the first inning with low back tightness. That cost him some other games recently, and obviously it's not completely cleared up. This is an interesting situation for the Mariners. The team and their fans badly want home playoff games for the first time in two decades, but the Jays had started to pull away atop the wildcard standings, and the Mariners have some breathing room over the Orioles for the final playoff spot. You'd have to think they're primarily focused on getting in, but they're only a game and a half behind Toronto, half a game behind Tampa. Having J-Rod fully healthy for the playoffs has to be the most important thing, and that may mean they give him some time off now, even if it hurts their chances of hosting those wildcard games. Just have to see how healthy he is and what they decide to do. Ryan Yarbrough started late and left early. He was the follower for the Rays and came on in the second. He gave up two runs on three hits and a walk with a strikeout in one inning and then left with a right oblique strain. The manager, Kevin Cash, said is highly likely to land him on the IL. That would end his season. The Rays will need to find a way to replace him for the next couple weeks as they fight for home games in the wildcard round. But Yarbrough was unlikely to factor into the postseason. As for the top performers on Thursday, the biggest definitely belonged to Colton Wong. Three for four, three runs, five RBIs, thanks to a three-homer night. Wong's quietly been solid all year. He now has 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and 122 games. Not a star, but surprisingly solid middle infield option you don't have to reach for in drafts. Jared Kelnick got his first start since August 10th, and, well, I'm going to get hurt again, aren't I? Two for three, a home run, a double, a walk, scored two, drove in two. His latest AAA stint was excellent, and it's entirely possible he's turning a corner. 
maybe. For redraft, there's probably too much risk given the limited upside of the next 10 days. But in keeper leagues, I, I don't know. I still don't know. Is there enough time for him to prove himself and become a keeper? Probably not. Maybe in sort of dynasty or deeper formats where you can keep a large number of players. But he could also have the postseason prove himself. I don't know. We'll have to see what he can do. Manny Machado with a combo meal Thursday going one for two with a couple walks alongside his home run. Machado has been a savior at third base on a couple of my teams, and he'll be an early target for me in 2023 drafts as well. Mike Kostremski, two for five with a home run, a double, two runs, and an RBI at Coors. He's had a tough second half, but even so, his platoon split versus right-handed pitchers is still above average despite a 262 bat pip. I think he's probably still a solid platoon option for the 2023 season, just something to keep an eye on later in drafts in deeper leagues. Brian Reynolds, three for three with a walk, a pair of doubles, plus his seventh stolen base. He didn't get much help from his teammates, so no runs, just one RBI, but that's par for the course for him. Hopefully he gets traded or maybe the Pirates pick up some help for him this offseason. Whit Merrifield with a rather unlikely two-homer day for the Jays. He hasn't been good, and I don't think that will change despite the big day Thursday. Giancarlo Stanton's been slumping, but after a walk-off slam the other day, Thursday was three for four with a home run, a run, two RBIs. He could go on one of those homer binges and put up a bunch of home runs the rest of the way. I can't imagine many people have been sitting him, but if you have, get him back in your lineups. Other homers around the game Thursday, Corey Seager got his 32nd, Edward Olivares his 4th, Drew Waters his 2nd, Lars Nupar hit number 13, Brendan Donovan his 5th, Jerickson Profar number 15, he also had a double to go along with that. Kevin Newman hit his second. Teoscar Hernandez is up to 21. Promising rookie Jonathan Aranda hit his second for the Rays. Kyle Farmer hit his 13th. Another promising rookie Tristan Cassis got his third. Gavin Sheets hit his 14th. And Christian Walker hit his 36th. As for stolen bases, Josh Smith stole his fourth. Bobby Witt Jr. now up to 28. Dylan Moore stole two. He's up to 18 on the year. Brian Hayes also swiped his 18th. Randy Arozarena stole his 32nd. He also had three hits, two runs, and two RBIs. TJ Friedel nabbed his seventh. Tim LaCastro his eighth. And Josh Rojas got himself to 20. Some interesting pitching matchups on Thursday. The Astros were in Baltimore in the presumptive AL Cy Young. Justin Verlander was good. Two runs, six hits, no walks over six innings pitched. They're just four strikeouts, a little low for him. But Kyle Bradish was better, a lot better. Eight and two-thirds shutout innings on just two hits without a walk and 10 strikeouts. And he did that against the Astros? Bradish shows these flashes, and you have to wonder if he finds a way to put it all together next year consistently because he is clearly showing ace upside. Similarly, in Philadelphia, Max Fried was good, but not good enough. He held the Phils to a run on five hits and a walk with eight strikeouts over five innings, but Ranger Suarez held Atlanta scoreless and five hits, two walks, six innings, and he had four strikeouts. Freed is the better pitcher. He actually was the better pitcher in this one, but Suarez got the W. Suarez is a nice pickup if you can still get him because he's got an easy finish to the season coming up. Another matchup like that, Julio Urias, good, but very much second best. He only lasted five and a third, allowing a run and three hits with a walk and five strikeouts, But Zach Gallen was brilliant against the Dodgers. Eight innings, 13 strikeouts, zero walks, one run and two hits. He has had just a sensational year, and man, was this a great way to cap it, even though he's got two starts left. Brandon Woodruff on his game against the Reds. Six innings, 11 strikeouts, two walks, just one run on three hits. That was his 12th win on the year. Hasn't been his best season, but he is still one of the best around. 
Jamison Tyone with a solid start against the Red Sox, going six shutout, allowing four hits and a walk with eight strikeouts. It's about as good as he's been this year, and with Toronto next, I'm not taking a chance on it happening again. Cubs have definitely not had a great season, but they're finding some parts for the future, I think, and Hayden Wesneski appears to be the latest. He went six and a third Thursday, giving up two runs and five hits with two walks while striking out six. He earned his second win. With him, Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, and Keegan Thompson, this team has the start of a really nice 2023 rotation. Shane Bieber with a strong seven and two-thirds, seven hits, two runs, zero walks, and five strikeouts against the White Sox. That earned his 12th win. He is still dealing despite the hand-wringing earlier in the year, and there's just no reason to think he won't continue. It's been up and down for Mitch Keller, but he's going to finish off a very solid season. Thursday went six innings, giving up two runs on four hits, two walks, striking out seven, lowering his ERA to 3.99. You can use him as a streamer one last time against the Reds next time out before letting him go before he gets the Cardinals. And that's really going to be his role next year, a guy that should be on your roster on occasion when he's got good matchups, but not a guy you want to rely on all the time. Jonathan Heasley with a nice streamer start against Minnesota. They're just in a tailspin right now. Heasley gave up a run on two hits, two walks over six, only had three strikeouts. That was really the one weak spot. Even got his fourth win in the process. He's got Detroit next, and while that seems nice, the last time he faced them, he got blown up, and he's still too risky for me. Hunter Green with a very Hunter Green kind of start. Eight strikeouts in just five innings, but three walks and another homer allowed. Gave up two runs on two hits. I still just don't trust him yet. But I want him for the future. I just don't expect him to be an ace out of the gates next year, but hopefully he can find more consistency. Michael Lorenzen got a nice soft matchup and did enough to be valuable, but didn't really get the results he needed. Ended up giving up three runs on two hits and two walks, and it's just unfortunate to get hit with three earned runs after two inherited runners were allowed to score as his pen blew his lead and also cost him a win. He struck out seven, but that's not a good ERA, and the lost win hurts. It is a good sign if you're thinking about starting him next week when he gets an even softer matchup with Oakland. Of course, matchups with the A's are not always as soft as you'd like. George Kirby got beat up in Oakland, giving up five runs and seven hits, three walks, just one strikeout, and two and a third innings. Kirby's been brilliant lately, but nothing was working Thursday. Unless we hear news of an injury or something like that, I'm just going to keep running him out there, though. I think he's that good. Martin Perez with a quality start, getting exactly six innings and exactly three earned runs. Five hits and three walks, just five strikeouts, no win. Really nothing you want other than that quality start. He's at Seattle next, and I suppose you just keep using him, but he is always a little bit risky and the upside is limited. Jack Flaherty got a win and a quality start, but it wasn't all good. Three runs, but only two earned on four hits and six innings. Pretty good. The nine strikeouts is very good. Four walks is a concern. Flaherty's had something of a lost season, and right now I'm just looking for progress, which I definitely think you can see in this one. If he can stay healthy and pitch decently the rest of the way, he'll put himself in a good spot for a strong offseason and a better 2023. Joe Musgrove is sort of the opposite of Flaherty. No winner quality start, but one run on five hits, two walks in five innings. Four strikeouts, not as much, but still not bad. Musgrove gets the Dodgers next. Not an ideal start, but you can't really sit him. Finally, Jose Brios lit up by the Rays. This happens to him once in a while, and you can never really predict when. It is not fun if you drafted him or you've been sitting on him all year. This is why I just sort of stay away. In the bullpens, Cardinals went to Ryan Helsley for the eighth. That set up Giovanni Gallegos for his 14th save. Gallegos was also more effective, but in this case, it was just the cards going to their better reliever for the tougher part of the lineup. That's why Helsley got the eighth instead of the ninth. He's still their go-to guy. 
Brad Keller struck out two, getting his first save. Scott Barlow had gone two straight, including one and two thirds on Tuesday. He's still the man, but wonder if Keller might be next in line, which is not something I would have expected. If you're desperate the next couple weeks, maybe he's an interesting play. Jose LeClerc struck out the side around a hit to collect his seventh save. Texas is winning a bit more lately, and LeClerc is the beneficiary. Camila Duvall with the save number 24, giving up a hit and getting a strikeout. Excellent reliever, should be for a long time. Mark Leiter Jr. turned in a seven-out save on Thursday, and this is a weird one. Usually those seven-out saves come when a team's up big. Instead, he got his second save in a one-run game. He walked two, struck out four, not a closer, and this was pretty random, so I don't believe it'll happen again. After Bradish's gem, Felix Bautista came in for one hitter, struck him out, got his 15th save for his trouble. Jose Alvarado asked to get four outs and did so, two strikeouts and a hit, getting his second save. Philadelphia could turn to him again as the season winds down. Clay Holmes came on with the game tied, forced a 10th inning, and then stayed on to get his seventh win. Went two with a strikeout and a hit. No save this time, but he's still the one getting the chances in New York. Emmanuel Classe with his 37th save. He continues to be just as good as they get in that role. And finally, the Dodgers and D-backs bullpens both tried to lose. First, Craig Kimbrell gave up the Christian Walker home run to put the D-backs up one in the ninth. Then Reyes Maranta put the runners on, and Joe Mantiply allowed them to score for the Dodgers' walk-off win. Kimbrell ended up getting his sixth win, and he is still the guy to roster in that bullpen. With that, let's take a quick break and come back to talk about Friday. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, welcome back. Here's our friend Mark Paquette with the weather. Thank you very much. Well, across a wide swath of the country today, tonight, we're going to see temperatures much cooler than average from the Midwest to the Great Lakes to the Northeast. So games in, say, Philadelphia, uh, where the Phillies are hosting uh, the Braves, and in New York, where the Yankees are hosting the Red Sox, we're going to have fall-like conditions, a nice preview of what will be going on for playoff baseball next month. And uh, But the good news is dry weather. No rain expected. Play everyone you got and do it with confidence. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for a streamer today, Cody Morris has been improving. His minor league track record is strong and he gets Texas. Not a bad option, I don't think. As for hitters, the Marlins are not a very big offense, but Josiah Gray has been homer prone. Any power you have on that fish team, get it in the lineup. Same with your Brewers. Mike Miner's been bad, and Great American Ballpark is a launching pad. With that, I'll let you go over to Pitcher List to read the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks, catch up on anything I didn't get covered for you, and we will be back with you tomorrow. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.